All right, good morning, church. Happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day. We're glad. If at any point you want to get our 10 pounds of bacon, we have for you. Several have asked about the cookies, what are included in them. Whatever normal cookies have in them, that's what's in the cookies. I, people have asked about flour and eggs, and I, I don't know. Just whatever goes in normal cookies, that's what's there. Uh, and the bacon speaks for itself. Uh, so happy Father's Day. I want to turn your attention quickly to this video. Let's watch this. Interesting, uh, if, if you're a dad, and this actually uh, is also applicable for moms, uh, if you were to receive a quarter for every time that name is spoken, uh, mom or dad, and if you have kids like mine, they don't come look for you, they, they stay where they are. <laughs> for some reason, this makes sense. They, they literally don't move, not just their feet, but any other muscle in their body, and then yell. Uh, and then you, uh, if you are in that position of mom or dad, uh, the, the thinking is that you're going to come running uh, to them in response to serve them. And so we have, we have tried our best to teach our kids, you come find us. It's not my job. This isn't like Marco Polo, right? Uh, you don't yell, I come find you. And uh, that's not how it works. Um, but what's interesting about that video, I love that video because... Uh, the dads are responding. Every time uh, the, the, the name dad is yelled, the, the, the dad responds uh, in some way. And uh, we're going to look at the scriptures a little bit. We're, we're taking a, a little bit of a turn from 1 John. We'll finish that up next week. It'll be our last Sunday on the series of 1 John. This morning we're going to look at Luke chapter 11. Uh, so if you have your Bibles, would love for you to open those or turn them on. Luke chapter 11, we're going to be looking at verses 1 through uh, 12. The first celebration of this day, does anybody know when it was? First Father's Day celebration, anyone without using Google or Siri or anyone else. June 19, 1924, by proclamation of President Calvin Coolidge. Uh, was the first time that it was implemented, instituted from here on out. Uh, so that was, the, that was the beginning of a day when we recognized. What's crazy about that is about 20 years earlier, Mother's Day was uh, uh, celebrated. So it took 20 years for the moms to go, maybe we should throw the dads a bone and like do something for them as well. Uh, so almost 20 years prior, moms were being highlighted and given flowers and and dads did that. There's a story of 
uh, a dad, a husband who's in the doctor's office and the, uh, the tests are coming back from all of his blood work and, and CAT scans and everything else. And uh, the doctor says, uh, sir, I'm just going to have you sit down. I have some news to share. And he says, I really do have some bad news. You are in terrible shape. Your body is a wreck. You've let yourself go forever. Uh, but there is hope. Uh, if you uh, go home and you have to completely change your diet, so your wife has to start cooking beautiful, wonderful vegetable food. It has to be low fat, no carbs, no anything, basically eat dust. Uh, and, and you also have to have no stress. You got to make sure that your wife takes care of the kids, keeps them away from you, that you put your feet up. You don't want to put any stress, not only on your psyche, but also on your body. You really just need to go home and to be served. And she gave several other or the doctor gave several other examples of what needs to be done. And the husband sat there and he goes, well, what if I don't do this? And the doctor said, you probably only have about 30 days to live if you don't make some of these uh, changes And he said, all right, I'm going to drive home. Would you please call my wife and let her know about these things so that we can then talk about them uh, when we get home? And the doctor said, sure, I'll, I'll, I'll make that call. And the husband drove home and drove into the driveway, and the, the wife met him outside, and she had this very concerned look on her face. And the, the husband got out of the car and said, did you, did you speak with the doctor? And she said, yeah, unfortunately I did. And he goes, well, what are we going to do? And she's like, well, what do you want to do with the next 30 days? <laughs> See, if that was a Mother's Day story, it wouldn't end that way. <laughs> and if it did, I'd have a bunch of moms like, that is so not funny. <laughs> Father's Day, it's like, oh, they're going to die. <laughs> so good. Husbands and dads, we're just different beasts, right? Uh, we don't know a lot. We pretend to. Thank goodness for YouTube nowadays. But the word dad, the title father, what does that mean? What, is, what does that look like? And so we're going to grab this little piece of scripture in Luke chapter 11 and and we're going to dive into just maybe an idea of what this might look like. I'm going to be reading from uh, verses 1 through uh, right around 12. So let's read together. This is in the New Living Translation. Once Jesus had been out praying, one of his disciples came to him, and he finished, and he said, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. And he said, well, this is how you should pray. Father, may your name be honored. May your kingdom come soon. Give us our food day by day, and forgive us our sins, just as we forgive those who have sinned against us. And don't let us just yield to temptation. Then, teaching them more about prayer, he used this illustration. Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight, wanting to borrow three loaves of bread. You would say to him, hey, a friend of mine has just arrived for a visit, and I have nothing for him to eat. And he would call from his bedroom, hey, don't bother me. The door is locked for the night, and we're all in bed. I can't help you this time. But I tell you this, though he won't do it as a friend, if you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and give you what you want so his reputation won't be damaged. And so I tell you, keep on asking. 
and you will be given what you ask for. Keep on looking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And the door will be open to everyone who knocks. You fathers, you dads out there, if your children asks for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Now, if, if to either of those questions you answer yes, just keep that to yourself. <laughs> Maybe you've seen uh, some of these doorbells. Here's a, a picture. You guys seen some of these doorbells? I think Billy makes these. Uh, these uh, door or used to make these these doorbells. Uh, you might not realize that the doorbell is actually a camera. When you ring the the door, the camera turns on. With the, most of these, the phones will ring a number of times, sometimes two or three or four, and then you can either turn your television to a certain channel or go to your phone, and you can see the person on the other side of the door. And then you can decide from the comfort of your chair or couch whether or not that person is worthy for you to get up to answer the door. You can see if it's the FedEx guy or a salesman or a neighborhood kid or your daughter's boyfriend. We don't answer those. <laughs> you can answer it or not. You, you see the video. You see it on your phone. You see it on your television. You can make a decision. Now, here's the problem with that. In first century Palestine, in this village, you couldn't get away with this. Here's a picture of, of uh, what probably was kind of uh, roughly the idea of a first century Palestinian village. You would never grumble and try to get out of giving bread as is discussed in our passage uh, to a friend at midnight uh, standing at your door. Everybody in the village used the same uh, oven, bread baking oven to make their bread. They would, they would all gather, they would make their bread, and then they would go back to their homes. And everyone in the village knew who had the most bread and maybe who didn't have any bread. It wasn't a secret. Like, I don't know what's in your cupboards or your freezer or your refrigerator. Some of you are like, thank goodness. But I don't know. Back then, everybody knew what each other had. The custom is that you serve fresh bread to anybody who is considered company. Now, how many times have you ever had company that you don't want? Anyone? Some of you have them here now sitting with you and you don't want to raise your hand. <laughs> Any kind of company that came to your house, you always served fresh bread. In addition, the houses were very, very close together. In fact, you could almost reach from windowsill to windowsill to the different homes. You didn't even have to leave the house. That's how close they were together. And if there was a needy friend that was standing on your doorstep, pounding at your door at midnight, everybody in the village knew they were at your door. And if you didn't get up, guess who's the irritant of the village? You. Because everyone knew the rules. Someone comes to your door, whether it's 10 o'clock at night, midnight, 2 in the morning, they're knocking on your door asking for bread. No matter what's going on, you get up, you give that company bread. That was the custom. That was the idea. 
And the grumble about having to do this, to tell the person, go away, it's not a good time, would bring shame on not only the individual, but on the customs of the entire village. And nobody in that village for over 2,000 years would want to be the one to destroy its reputation for gracious hospitality to travelers with their grumbling. This would never happen. It's not the character. And Jesus uses this story to help us understand the heart of what a father is not. Today's Father's Day. Today's a day where we honor dad. We say thank you to him. And so how do you thank a good father? With a card or taking them to lunch? The top three gifts last year were lunch, actually four were lunch, a cordless drill, a Weber grill, and a hobby tie. <coughs> Hold on. <coughs> Anybody get their dad a tie? Good. <laughs> Anybody get them a grill? A drill? Lunch. How many of you got nothing? Okay, handful of you, good. Um, a good father, in terms of our parable, is someone that you can count on to always come to the door to see what you need. Every single time. To offer you nourishment when you show up on a doorstep. A good father is one who offers you, in terms of back then, an egg or a fish. Not a snake or a scorpion. A good father is someone who has caller ID on their phone or their television and still answers the phone. How many of you have been guilty of sending someone to voicemail that you don't want to talk to? Raise your hand. Do not lie. You're in church. Raise your hand. It's, your phone has rung. You see who it is and you're like, boom, done. A good father, according to Luke, is someone who answers the phone, who answers the door when you call or knock, and offers you encouragement and comfort and advice, no matter what. What Luke is doing is he's describing the heart of our Heavenly Father. Sometimes we can so over-spiritualize church and Christianity and our relationship with God. This is a good father, in Luke's view, who does not wait in the house, like the story of the prodigal son, for you to come groveling and crawling back home. But our God is one who throws dignity, stay with me, our God is one who throws dignity to the wind and grabs something absurd with tears in his eyes and runs to you. The cross is absurd. But the cross is the example of, of what a true father is, that he runs to us. A good father, in, in Luke's view, is one to come help you when you're lying in the ditch, beaten up by life. And, and some of you know what that's like, where you just feel like life has beaten you. And the father picks you up tends to your wounds, and begins to love you back into healing. 
that's what a father does. Jesus began this prayer saying, Father, not because he wanted humans to equate God with an earthly father. That wasn't his reasoning. God knows that we, as humans, we can do both. We can hurt and we can heal, right? We do that as parents. We're all guilty of that. We've all done that in some shape or form at one time or another. Jesus prayed our Father, realizing that God's identity and his purposes exceed our ability to understand or to be able to articulate those things. It's beyond our wildest imaginations. That's why when we, we take our fathers or we take our mothers or we take our husbands or our wives and we place them up on a pedestal as being perfect for us, when they're not, things begin to crack, things begin to break down except with our Heavenly Father. But Jesus also knew that as human beings with our limited knowledge, we will make a comparison between God and what we know. We know about good family relationships. We know what a good relationship ought to be, even if we haven't experienced it. And God, our Father, is described in so many different ways all throughout the scriptures. The prophet Isaiah, hundreds of years before Jesus, portrays God as a mother picking up her young and carrying them when they're tired. Have you guys ever done that? You, you took your youngest out on a hike too early. You thought they could handle it. And then after about like 15 minutes, they can't walk and so you're carrying them. That's the description of God. Jesus depicts God as a mother hen shielding her people under her wing. This is the idea of a father. When Jesus prayed what we call the Lord's Prayer, uh, what we read this morning, Jesus was actually remembering a daily prayer that he had heard prayed in the synagogue. We tend to think, oh, the Lord's Prayer, that's been around forever. Jesus is kind of describing in his own words an ancient prayer that he had heard growing up. It's called the Kaddish. Some of you are familiar with this. It's a prayer of thanksgiving, sometimes mourning and praise to God. Here's a part of it. Exalted and hallowed be his great name in the world, which he created according to his will. May he let his kingdom rule in your lifetime and in your days and in the lifetime of the whole house of Israel speedily and soon. Jesus' prayer, his condensed version, his a little bit easier to understand, a little bit more direct, personal, is acknowledging his dad, who his dad is, who the heavenly father is. How many of you know who Burt Reynolds is? This will be a good test. A lot of this part of the room, very few over here. Raise your hand if you know who Burt Reynolds is. If you don't know, meet Burt Reynolds. <laughs> Famous for Smokey and the Bandit and other uh, TV shows and, and movies, etc. He looks quite a bit different uh, now because of both old age and plastic surgery. Uh, and so this is actually how he looks. Uh, he told an interview uh, that he had with Barbara Walters. Anybody remember that interview? 
maybe, maybe not. Okay, so he had an interview with Barbara Walters, and, it was, and she was quizzing him and talking to him about his relationship growing up with his father. His dad was a sheriff in a small southern town. He was absolutely adored and loved by everyone. He was friends with everyone. He could have conversations with everyone, but he was unbelievably strict with his son, Bert. Bert respected him and he feared him. But he shared with Barbara his entire life he yearned for a tenderness of that relationship. Some sign of, a, of, of approval, of understanding from his father. Bert said this, our family lived by two very simple rules. No crying, no hugging. He remembers saying there's a saying in the South that no man is a man until his father tells him he is a man. And I haven't gotten that message from my father yet. I kept hoping I would hear it someday. Then his marriage hit the rocks. His first marriage to Judy hit the rocks. This would be the first divorce in his entire family. And Bert recalls uh, standing in his room, staring at the phone, knowing he had to make the call to his family to let them know of the pending divorce. But he was afraid that his dad would come to the phone instead of his mom. Maybe some of you remember that as a kid. Yet wanting more than anything to hear his father's voice, he stood there staring at the phone, and couldn't pick it up. Because the video that we saw, remember all the kids saying, Dad, 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 and there was always a response. He was afraid of the response. When, when people call upon Jesus in Scripture, when we read the stories, when we read actual accounts of how people called on Jesus, called on God, who did they meet when the door was open. What did they hear on the end of the line? Luke chapter 8, verse 22. Jesus is with his disciples. They're panicking in a storm out at sea. And they're yelling, quote, help us, we are perishing in this high gale. And he responds in patience and kindness. To Jairus, a leader in the synagogue who fell at Jesus' feet and says, my 12-year-old daughter is at the point of death. And we see Jesus' tender, loving response. To a woman who fell at Jesus' feet and begged for mercy, she says, I have suffered from a flow of blood for 12 years. And there's healing. There's patience. There's kindness and gentleness. To a leper in Luke chapter 5, verse 12, who had suffered from uh, intense physical pain and social isolation for years, fell at Jesus' feet and asked, Lord, if you choose, you can make me clean. And there isn't annoyance. There isn't I'm busy. There, there isn't uh, let's focus on what's wrong with you first. There is arms open wide. And then Jesus stretched his hand out and touched him and said, I do choose, be made clean. You see, when we read the Bible, when we read the scriptures, and we see people knocking, seeking, shouting, asking, calling out for God, seeking to, to meet with Jesus, they were met by a person 
who had bread to give it away and gave it away gladly. But the question is this. You might be sitting here as a dad going, oh man, I need some of that, but I have no idea how to do it. You need some more patience. You need some more gentleness. You need some more kindness. You need to continue to shape your character a little bit as a dad. I want to let you know how Jesus was able to do it. He prayed. And he prayed more. And he kept praying. Early in the morning in a quiet place, late in the evening, alone in the mountains, in a garden, while there were footsteps of betrayers approaching, and your closest friends were lying on the ground asleep in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus prayed. He spoke with his Father. And Jesus gives us this advice about prayer in our lives. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open for you. Some people twist this all over the place and go, okay, well, I just got to keep asking for this. Eventually it's going to happen. Wrong. What you will get as you seek, what you will get when you knock, what you will get when you ask is you will get the Father. You will get the Father. And nothing else matters. Because everyone who receives and everyone who searches, and for everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. And how do we know that this is true? We know this is true because of tradition from Scripture and the teachings in the synagogue that told that God will pour out blessings on the one who seeks and knocks. Don't misconfuse blessings as a bunch of good things. Don't misconstrue blessings as just life's just going to be great. My finances will be taken care of. I will always have something to eat. My family's going to be great. That person's going to be healed. Do not misconstrue blessings as good. Blessings is God. That's what you are promised. You are always promised God when you seek and knock and ask. Deuteronomy 4, Isaiah 55, Isaiah 65, Jeremiah 29, Proverbs 8. It goes on and on and on. And Jesus knew this from a lifetime of praying to a God, to a Father who is honorable, accessible, dependable, and merciful. Friends, can I just say this to you? I don't know what your relationship is with your earthly father. Mine's here. Hi, Dad. Gave my dad an Alabama football sweatshirt for Father's Day because we like to watch college football together. Roll Tide. Roll Tide. I don't know what your relationship was, is with your dad. I, and and uh, let me take it a step further. I don't know what your relationship is with your heavenly father. Maybe in both cases, it's been a long time since you've talked. Maybe in both cases, there's friction, there's brokenness. I don't know what that is. But I do know that our heavenly father, the minute you call out dad, he responds. It doesn't matter your mistakes. 
It doesn't matter your distance. It doesn't matter if you have doubts or questions. You say, Dad, and he is there. After staring at the telephone at the table, dreading calling home to tell the news of his uh, pending divorce, Burt Reynolds says he finally picked up the phone and dialed his parents' number. He actually had to dial back then. And with shaking hands and thanking God, uh, his mother picked up the phone. He tells Barbara Walters what he told his mom. Mom, Judy and I are getting a divorce. Tell Dad I'm sorry. Tell him I failed him again. And I'm sorry. It was quiet. And then he says, I heard this voice on the other side of the phone. Why don't you come home, son? His dad said. And let me tell you about all the times that I have failed in my life. Just come home. You see, when we, when we call to God, sometimes we can think it's going to be the worst of the worst. When we come before the Father, sometimes, man, we're just shuddering at what the response is going to be. There's this unknown. But you see, when we call out to God, when we knock, when we seek, when we ask, he doesn't look at his phone, at the caller ID, and wrestle with whether or not he's going to pick up. He doesn't look at the list of how good you've been or how bad you've been or how consistent you've been or how holy you've been and decide whether or not he really has time for that conversation. He responds, usually with a very soft whisper, but he's there. It might be difficult to hear that voice in the midst of our culture, but make no mistake, he's there. He doesn't leave you knocking out in the cold at his doorstep asking for bread. He doesn't hand you a snake or a scorpion. Some of you are really thankful for that. The Bible says that he never slumbers, he never sleeps. He never leaves you, he never forsakes you. He's never too busy for you. He's available for a call, he's available for a coffee, he's available for a walk 24 hours a day. God is is our perfect example of a father. That's, that's what he is. Now, we as fathers can't all rise to that, but it is something for us to shoot for, to always be available in some way, some, somehow. As the team comes up, I, I want to encourage you to 
I want to encourage you to think about your heavenly father. And I want to encourage you to think about your father. Sometimes we can take uh, a view of our fathers and project them onto God. Sometimes that can be good or sometimes that can be bad. Sometimes we can focus so much on our heavenly father that we forget our earthly father. There's so many different components of this. And as Alex alluded to earlier, I'll reiterate, some of you just had awful or absentee fathers, and I'm sorry for that. Some of you never knew your dad, or you haven't known your dad for most of your life. I'm sorry. You don't deserve that at all. Some of you have some rockin' fathers. And if you're one of the, you can't nod and agree to that if you're a dad like, yeah, he's talking about me. <laughs> Other people have to tell you you're rocking. You can't tell them I'm rocking. That's weird. Chris to say that. But you know who's a rocking dad? Is our father. <laughs> If you've ever felt lonely or afraid, if you've, if you've ever been confused or just not knowing where life is going, I'm there on a regular basis. <laughs> and I love nothing more than to, to escape it all and, and just be able to talk to him. And yeah, a lot of times it, the problem isn't solved. The situation is, is the same, but there's a different assurance about it. Sometimes Naomi will want to talk to Sandy if she needs a softy. But if there's a problem, if something's broken, if there's a crisis, she says, I need to talk to Dad. She has this appearance about her that I can handle anything. She, she is so sadly mistaken. But she thinks... My dad can handle anything. She might be mistaken, but you know what? We aren't. Our Heavenly Father can handle anything. And so I just want to encourage you this Father's Day. Certainly call your dad, send a text, send an email. Um, Izzy punched the Pope. I guess that was a form of love. <laughs> Whatever it is for you and your family, definitely do that. But can I just give you some encouragement? Grab a few minutes sometime today, somehow, some way, and just talk to your Heavenly Father. Just a little bit. Just talk to Him. He'd love to talk to you. And you might be surprised on what the response is on the other end of the line, like Burt Reynolds. So let's pray together. So God, on Father's Day, um, I guess it's rightful to say Happy Mother's Day and Happy Father's Day. You, you, you take the form of, of, of so many different ways to comfort and care for your children. Thank you so much for the scriptures that give us a glimpse on your heart, who you are. 
thanks for the dads. Uh, thanks for those dads that aren't with us anymore. We, we certainly remember them. For a lot of people in this room, we wish we could make a call to them, wish we could give them a hug, wish we could uh, just have a, a few minutes with them, and uh, they're no longer with us anymore. So our hearts hurt for that. Thank you that you give comfort. For those bad relationships with dads, um, you, are, you are bigger than those. Um, I pray that you would work on our hearts. But Lord Jesus, would you open our eyes to see you as true father in all your splendor and all your glory and all your mercy and all your gentleness and all your love. And help us to respond with praise. So we love you. So ultimate uh, King Father, we say happy Father's Day to you.